Welcome to Record Roulette. My name is Eamon O'Flynn. I'm here with Sonia Walton and Nathan Smith. The prodigal son returns. But we won't be discussing another album from the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums. No, it's time for an album battle. For the last few weeks, it has come up time and again that something feels wrong about the number of artists who have not just one or two, but three, four, five, or six albums on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list. We questioned whether Nirvana needed three albums. We questioned whether David Bowie needed five, including three in the top 100. In each case, that leads to an interesting hypothetical. If you had to pick just one album from each artist to represent them on the list, which album would you pick? If it, it isn't easy for Nirvana or David Bowie or Radiohead or countless other artists and groups, but we aren't screwing around on this album battle. We're going right after the kings of the Rolling Stone list, the Beatles. They have nine albums on the list, including five in the top 35. That seems like a lot. How could you possibly pick just one? We're about to find out. But before we do, I want to know where the two of you land on the issue of single artists and groups having a bunch of albums on the list. Is this a problem or is it a accurate reflection of the best music out there? Sonia? I think I think we all know where Sonia stands on this because I <laughs> it was it was my my throwdown uh, on one of the mini episodes last summer. I just think that there's there's way too much of the same mm-hmm. on the list. Even my my beloved Bruce Springsteen, you know, we gotta we gotta cut some of those down to make room for other other artists to explore. Well, I I'm sort of on the fence because I let's say, and I'm heavily biased in this, but let's say the Rolling Stones have multiple entries. To my ears, a lot of the Rolling Stones entries sound very similar. But when you talk about how dare you? Well, it's just a fact. It's <laughs> I don't make the rules, except in this case. But if you're talking about somebody like <laughs> Bowie or the Beatles, but you know those two in particular, like you can listen to different Bowie albums or different Beatles albums, and they're the Beatles or quote David Bowie in name only because they change so dramatically from album to album and era mm-hmm. to era. So for those kinds of bands or or musicians or artists, I'm fine with having multiple albums. And in the case of the Beatles, I don't want to be the person to argue. Well, let's Nine. let's take off Sgt. Pepper to make room for you know whomever or let's take off abbey road because we gotta, we're not going to do that <laughs> well in a in a in a sonia world we would because you couldn't have more than one so i think it, oh the battle's already exactly begun. i'm trying to this is setting the stage for the battle to come but I, yeah. I think that it depends on the artist but again i think the ones for the most part that have multiple albums are there because they've they've undergone such transformations and sounds and styles and and eras that that they don't really sound like their sort of ideally their previous uh, iterations wouldn't it, wouldn't it make for a more interesting list? And and this is sort of a you know showing my cards. But wouldn't it make for a more interesting list to to kind of pick one album that best represents what they were trying to achieve? That's a great idea. And Can we do that sometime? Let's do that. Let's right do now. it. Isn't it more interesting to do that than to just say, oh, all of these nine albums are really great. That's what I we're mean, gonna set up right now, right here, right now, yeah. right now. But- well, I got—I get to have an opinion. Arm on this to case. arm. What are you guys doing? You're trying to move That's... forward in this episode Sorry. without without me. Come on, come yeah, on. Yeah, no, you're 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 dead I, weight now. Well, I think I think what you're describing though, Sonia, is is a good thing, but also not necessarily a greatest music list. 
Sure. But you know, you know what I mean? Like it's well, if if your if your objective is to this is the this is the push and pull I think that this list has. I mean, Rolling Stone objectively has done a terrible job of of a lot of this stuff. So I, it's not like this is an apology for them, but it's like if you say X band is the greatest band of all time, and they they produced five of the greatest, most perfect albums of all time, and you're like, but we can't include that because we need to include a Blink One Eighty Two album because they were important in California in the mid to late nineties, then it's just like, okay, well, why are we doing this? That said, if you told me we had to lose one Beatles album in order to get private dancer by Tina Turner on the list, I would, you probably get my attention. It's, you know, like that's if what it's I'm one saying. Crappier. Beatles Make room albums, for which Tina. Are the crappiest that's, Beatles that's... album is better than a lot of other albums. If I was still on Twitter, that would be my hashtag. Make room for <laughs> Tina. Make room for Tina. Yeah, but the yeah, I, I just think like you, if you're making a greatest music, a greatest albums list, you basically have to say what is the greatest album, and and you know I think at the same time there's plenty of albums a that are on here despite the fact that they're garbage, and b uh, there's there's garbage. a bunch of albums yeah garbage, and there's a bunch of albums like we've talked about this with the meters for instance. Like that album should not be on this list. Well, what just, about Suicide just, by Suicide? And Suicide by Suicide shouldn't be there. So it's kind of, I feel like you got to balance the diversity angle with the greatness angle. Because I think that, and I think that you can do both well. Um, but I also don't think you can say the Beatles need to have one album because that's just the way things have to work. But I do think there's a lot of, sure. a lot of stuff that's not quite worthy of, of those multiple ones. I think that's fair. Like, I, I think, yeah, hypothetically, if I don't like this alliance that's being formed all of a sudden. <laughs> listen, I'm gonna, listen pal, I'm going to flip. I'm going to flop. I'm in it to win it. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Beatles having five albums in the top 35 seems like a red, a red flag. But to your point, Nathan, they all sound different. Uh, they're doing things that 99.99% of albums don't do or can't do. And if you even these these albums that we listen to, to it's three different albums and they share not all that much apart from the voices that you you might recognize between them the music is substantially different across the three but you're not going to like this part nathan if hypothetically nirvana released two albums that were exceptionally similar in the grand scheme of things they're both excellent not sure if uh both of them should be on the list that's all all right just throwing it i think we're back where we started so this is a fair fight yes (laughs) different alliances Everyone taking shots at everyone. Excellent. Back to the album battle. Which <laughs> album did you choose, Nathan? I chose Abbey Road. Abbey Road. I did. That's a and fact. And which one did you choose, Sonia? I chose Revolver by the Beatles. And I chose third, and I was surprised that the best, most representative <laughs> of the Beatles album was still available with Sgt. Mm-hmm. Pepper. Yeah, uh, listen, there's two two of the three albums in this battle I like very much. Two of the three. Two huh. of the three. Interesting. One of them. What do you got against Revolver? You're <laughs> 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 the short straw. Yeah, this this is the first time we're tackling the Beatles, though. Uh, and I think yeah. you'll agree that listening uh, that listening for a record roulette isn't always the same as listening for enjoyment. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Yeah, but that, no, it, you, put that put that also on a t-shirt for season two. It's us listening for record roulette. Also All the people listening to, to us podcast. are enjoying. Yeah, I was going to say it works. It's a two-way street, yeah. and it's not always flattering going the other way. So, <laughs> uh, 
but th did you guys learn anything new about the Beatles in your preparation for this episode by having to listen to these albums in perhaps a different way than you normally would have? To, um, Sonia, do you, you, you seem you to be sputtering the, You mean, well, what else no, is No, just new? listening to do them. Mean, is there anything that you kind of picked up by saying uh, if you evaluated them in any way similarly to how we've evaluated every other album? Um, no, only to, no. only to point out that, uh, no, okay. <laughs> cut that. Right. You're going to cut that, right? <laughs> yes. She said no twice. Nathan. No, I didn't, I didn't learn. Cause I mean, in, in the interest of transparency, I've heard each of these albums probably thousands of times, 1000 if times. not tens of yeah. thousands, uh, probably mm -hmm. thousands. I'll go back to my original estimate, but so I, there's nothing for me new to learn about the albums but i i i'm reminded of because i've heard them so many times i don't listen to them often but every once in a while i go on a beatles binge and then this was like a mini binge and when you when i do that i'm reminded of how otherworldly they were and i guess the other thing that that struck me this time in the context of record roulette listening is how uh modern they still sound to me anyway like they don't sound like a late in this case, I mean, well, not all of them, basically. It's either early 60s or late 60s or mid 60s. Does They don't sound like 60s albums. And part of that is the songwriting and how you know ahead of the times they were. But part of it, and a big part of it, is the production, which is almost exclusively the work of George Martin. And they don't they don't sound dated. And a lot of albums from that period, they're still great, but they, they sound of a time. And the Beatles just sound you know, for all time to my ears. And so that, that was the thing that really struck me again, in the context of record roulette, where we're jumping across eras and, and genres and different generations, the Beatles just, they float above it all in my, in my view. Yeah. I, I think the, the way I've kind of looked back at everything. So of all the albums we've done so far, probably on this, on this podcast, I think we've done about 35 albums or listened to, or I've certainly listened to about 35 albums. It'd be slightly less for you, Nathan, because you missed a, a oh, couple episodes on. and slightly <laughs> less further. Yeah. So you only get 30 in this. Like some of our most beloved episodes, I might add. Yes. <laughs> most well listened to. Ooh. Uh, but I, I can't think. by Berliners. Thank you again, Berlin. Thank you, Berlin. Your... I can't think of a single one of those 35, though, that's as diverse in sounds and styles as is probably any of these three albums, with maybe the exception of Madonna's like prayer, which was which is pretty exceptional in its in its variety. But they're these are it's incredible. They, they were at this point in their careers. They were trying everything. It's true. I, I was just saying Brian Eno was pretty wild. That was a pretty wild. Oh, album. yeah, that's pretty wild. The other thing about the yeah. Beatles one was pretty... that has been said a bunch of times, but should be restated is, is the, the speed of their evolution. Like we're not, it's typically crazy. you think about these in modern times, like, you know, a, a group or an artist goes away for a couple of years or three years and comes back with a new style and they tour it. They go away for three years or four years or five years, maybe like they were doing this within the span of, you know, four, six months each and every time yeah. and they're a completely yeah, they have a completely different look completely different sound they don't settle on that they do that they go back for six months or four months and even two months put out a single like it, the pace was just it was incredible and breakneck and it's easy even for you know complete beetle maniacs to forget that their career was like six and a half or seven years like they feel like a group that was around for 20 or 25 and they mm -hmm. did all this in the span of you know, basically two album cycles by today's standards. It's just, it's yeah, they mind boggling. Changed, they changed their clothes and their sound every four months. I've, I've been wearing this shirt for 10 <laughs> years. So the other thing I noticed that is not as, I feel like it's, it's not as complimentary is that 
I, I noticed how little almost like emotion or significance the lyrics often had, you know, like I think that we often judge people on there's not a lot of songs that have an extremely extreme depth of like their commentary on. So we just, Sonia, you and I just went through the Stevie wonder um, songs in the key of life. And like, those all feel like they had a, a very clear meaning. They were trying to mm -hmm. get at something. They had a message they wanted to get across and that um, in some cases they seemed extremely personal. And I don't think a lot of these Beatles songs sound extremely personal, but I also think that maybe that's why they hold up so well. That they're they're not commenting. They they very rarely say anything that's very clearly of the era. To your point, Nathan. So it's mm. it's kind of a it's a give and take. But I think that uh, I think I never really thought of it that way. Whereas I think I've evaluated all of these thirty five albums we've we've listened to so far. I agree. If you're in if that. you're going to assign a weak point to the Beatles catalog at large, and it's relative, it would be their lyrics. I think if you're going to rank their strengths, the lyrics are probably you know at the bottom of the list. But at the same time, they do manage to tap into something pretty universal on a pretty regular basis because you hear songs like yesterday which has mm -hmm. a brilliant melody but there's something about those lyrics as simple as they are and as impersonal as they may be that connect with a lot of people in a very meaningful way or in my life i mean that's been played at so many different occasions whether it's funerals wedding like so there's something that they tap into that is it's not just the melody or the arrangements there's a lyrical component there that is is universal and appeals to a lot of people in a lot of different ways it's kind of the reason why and we should probably get into the actual album battle in a second here, guys. Uh, people listening are like, they're 15 minutes in. What are they doing? Uh, <laughs> but this is, you know, I think John Lennon said on multiple occasions that he was like the only real songs I wrote when I was uh, when I was with the Beatles were like help and in my life and strawberry fields forever. And maybe like one or one or two others. No and he, was, he was like the rest of them were just me writing things to to write things. And, and that's, you know, it's still interesting that the end and they still became great songs, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. Like you could pull out maybe one or a couple of songs in any given album that had that felt like it had a really deep undercurrent of emotion or where it was coming from somewhere. And so often with all three of these albums, I think there's only a handful of songs that I would say have that kind of that kind of depth of emotion in them. I guess, I guess having listened to you both, I can agree to that. I guess what I was thinking about more was like the emotion that they evoke from me. Oh, there, as a yes. Like, yeah. but that's less to do with maybe the lyrical content than the, uh, the melody and the, and all that jazz. Yeah. Like, remember how you felt when, when Mike Pereira po pointed out the, the sequencing of the songs oh my on the God. Madonna album and he I was can't like, even, like how I much of straight it. to the I... heart of like what this is all about, like that thing, that kind of thing. What a okay. consummate professional that Mike Pereira is. Yes. He, yes. He pierced like your rubber shout out. Mike Pereira. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We have three great contenders for the Beatles crown to find out which one is the album that best represents the Beatles. We'll run through seven rounds. Yes. Seven. So get buckled in everyone. We're here for uh, another 24 hours. <laughs> so seven, <laughs> seven rounds. We'll have to make a real effort to be cogent and coherent. So let's start. Let the battle begin. Round one, what makes your album the perfect standard bearer for the Beatles? Nathan. All right, so Abbey Road. Uh, it's it's the last album they recorded. It wasn't the last album they released, but it's the last album they recorded. Uh, by At this point, obviously, they'd gone through various phases. This, to me, is them taking all of that knowledge and everything that came before and just being the Beatles. 
Like it's the best of everything. It's got great songs, great arrangements, great harmonies, great playing, uh, great production. Um, beyond that, quickly, I think it's it's also the period at which George Harrison uh, finally and remarkably somehow, given how high the bar is, achieves a Lennon-McCartney standard of songwriting for a consistent basis. Amen. And to a lesser extent, same with Ringo. Octopus's Garden is a Ringo, it's credited only to Star, and by Ringo standards, that's the best he ever did as a songwriter. So those are... Those we are will get reasons. to Ringo. We will get to Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that... Okay, Sonia. Yes. What, what oh, makes your Revolver. album the perfect standard bearer for the Beatles? You remember you did Revolver, yes. I did yes. Revolver, yes. Um, so I think what, what makes it so important to me in the context of the list is that it marks the pivot point between the yeah, yeah, yeah Beatles and the transition to more psychedelic um, experimental kind of music. So I think if we were, if we were going with the conceit of picking one album that best represents an, an artist and what they were trying to do, this would, that would make Revolver the album. Um, I, I do see the the merits of both of your your album choices, but for those reasons, I think that's that's what makes it stand apart. Um, the yeah, that's I'm going to leave it there. There's lots more seven seven categories. I'm just going to keep it short. You don't want to punch yourself out in the first round. That's a wise strategy. No, that's so, right. It's a long album. So now. many. There's so yeah. so much time to punch myself out. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you <laughs> know that Sgt. Pepper's was the top at the top of the Rolling Stone list, number one in 2003 and 2012? For decades, it, it was the one for the Beatles, and I still think it can be. Uh, there's a massive amount of variety on this album. Some of their most iconic songs are on this album. The song that many consider to be the greatest Beatles song of all time is on this album, A Day in the Life. The structure of the album is daring, especially for 1967, which really captures the, the whole ethos of the, the Beatles, the, the way that they, they operated. Let's do something new. And it's famously the album that broke Brian Wilson as he tried to one up his British competition with Smile. Lyric, lyrically, I'll admit it isn't the deepest album, although we talked a little bit about this. Maybe I set the stage for this argument, guys. I'm not sure any Beatles album is, though, uh, but... What it does show is that John, Paul, and George could write about anything. An old-timey circus? Sure. A song about a child's drawing that definitely isn't about drugs? Yep. Some sort of weird George thing. You got it. And making make it sound exciting, different, listenable, and interesting. No two songs sound the same, and none of them sound like anyone else. So that's my argument. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, what's really psychedelic on, on Revolver, Sonia, apart from I'm Only Sleeping? and uh, Yellow Submarine and um, Dr. Robert and uh, tomorrow now, now that I'm now that yeah, I'm thinking yeah, about yeah, it. yeah 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 <laughs> I mean I've one of the reviews that I read about you know we do, we do all of our background research folks at home before we come into these episodes mostly it comes from Wikipedia but um, one of the uh, writers said who who writes about the Beatles uh, mm -hmm. said that without Revolver, there would have been no Sgt. Pepper because it sort of set the foundation for everything that they tried to achieve or were going to achieve in Sgt. Pepper and then eventually Abbey Road. So, you know, without uh, my album selection, there would have been no 
Sergeant Pepper, for you to talk about tonight. Yeah, but Isn't that beautiful? Argue, there'd with be no, no revolver without rubber yeah, sole. That's, that's a plus no one for Sonia. without help, and there'd be no, you know. <laughs> I don't okay. know. How much further yeah, can we go back? Well, let's not split hairs, guys. It's I an mean, album battle. That's what we're supposed to. We're splitting all kinds of hairs. Splitting hairs, lips, all sorts of <laughs> facial features. I, I do... I do think your argument is a is a solid one, Nathan. About it, it's oh, wow. it is Nathan. the end. There's seven rounds. Dividing conquer. This is the way it goes. <laughs> this is. I, th- I think it's a solid argument that that it's it's the last thing they did together, and that's not I don't think enough to be the representative piece, but it it is that but they are they like so good other? at production. They are so good at uh, songwriting. You're you're getting to the point where. They're almost like showing off. They're so good at songwriting with 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 Abbey Road with with the medley. Like it's a which is kind of part of the problem though, because they're not fully invested in being the Beatles. They're invested in being Ringo wants to be Ringo. George wants mm-hmm. to go have a solo career. Like no, everybody wants. They're think... already anticipating future solo careers. Sort of, but this isn't a reason for why mine Abbey Road, which I like saying, it's attributing Abbey Road to me, <laughs> but why mine is, is the standard. But I think like the fact, the, the background about this is that they had, although the Get Get Back documentary revealed otherwise, but the legend was that they had such a, a rough time doing Let It Be, Get Back, those sessions. They didn't want that to be kind of the end of how they sort of split the band up. And nobody knew for sure they were splitting up, but they knew they were getting towards the end. So they agreed to come back and do this. George you Martin was know. back on board. He said, can we do it the way we used to? Are we all going to get along? They said yes. And so I think there was a certain like peace and tranquility throughout these sessions where they knew, whether they knew for sure or just sensed it, that this was the end no pun intended. And, and they just had fun because there's a certain relief that comes with knowing that even if we're not getting along, we don't like each other. We've all got our, our sights set on other things that this is something special. Um, and it's the last time we're going to do it this way. So let's make the best of it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, as best you can sort of, without getting cliche, I think you can hear that in, in the songs and the album, the production and the fact they're not trying to force anything. It sounds to me like a very natural kind of free flowing album. Mm-hmm. Has maybe one of my favorite moments of of all Beatles albums actually, at the in the end, uh, the the three uh, well actually Ringo has a little bit of a drum yes. solo and then the the three others trade guitar solos uh, back and forth. Um, you know the the final words are obviously very poignant, but there's just a, that great moment where it's like each one of them contributes individually and then they they all are are back together again. Yeah. And I think there's there's something yeah, special harmonizing like there. vocally like it's perfect. But but I also I also note that with Revolver, I think I think you're right, Sonia, that it's when you do listen, to, I, I was joking about around about Rubber Soul because when I, I love Rubber Soul, it's one of my, one of my favorite albums. And uh, but it's it does not have that that kind of more psych, like psychedelic or, you know, experimental edge that Revolver has. Like it's it is truly a significant leap when you go from one to the next. I've always liked Rubber Soul, but personally, I feel it's a little bit overrated when they're talking about Beatles albums that really kind of push the envelope. I feel that Rubber mm-hmm. Soul is almost like Help Part 2. It's yeah. different, but not. And this is almost like they dip their toe in the water and like, this feels good. And then Revolver, they just jumped in the deep end. <laughs> like, yeah, the water's all right. Let's <laughs> take a swim. And they yeah. just jumped right in. With Rubber Soul, I feel like it's, so I feel like Help is much more of a clear pop album as much as pop albums or pop albums. And it's hard to it's hard to kind of classify what is a pop album at that point, because they would have said it was a rock and roll album or whatever. But, you know, it's it's much more of that kind of feel to it, whereas I feel like Rubber Soul has that mix of songs 
in a, in a way that revolver would have that mix but it like revolver is like a heightened version of that it's yeah. like now we're going to start bringing in all kinds of other kind of elements to to this um so you hear a sitar i think you hear a sitar on um norwegian wood maybe yeah. Yeah. but it's like so light and by the time you get to to revolver and you have love you too it's like this the main character of the mm -hmm. song yeah so uh okay so if you guys based on all based on these arguments if you had to choose one that you guys thought was you know who who wins this round and this is this is about the albums this is not i we can separate ourselves from them no one's commented on the fact that you know this uh that that my my album was great and whatever I'm, I'm, i've complimented yours but that's okay that's okay we don't need you to... did a really fine job arguing for sergeant pepper <laughs> it's i will yeah, say quickly all. like i can't i can't pick one between abbey road and revolver because if i wasn't doing abbey road i would do revolver so Same all here. i would say is i will i would rule out sergeant pepper which i still think is a great album yeah. but i think on this one that's it's i wouldn't pick album. one or the other but i would cancel out sergeant pepper in this one mm -hmm. okay all right well, my my vote would be I I want to I've I've written down guys numbers one through seven here, so I'm going to I'm I'm going to write down company. which one wins each <laughs> each round, guys. We're going to pick a winner here, and we're going to email Rolling Stone, and we're going to get this change made. They're going to wipe out all the other Beatles albums. I've already got them to agree to this. So you're deciding who wins each round? No, no, no. I, we should agree oh, together. Which oh, okay. which one based on this wins? If this you had to never, pick one that's not is, your own, this is going to be the never ending episode. We're going to be here. No, no, pick one that's not your own album. So, oh, Abbey Road. Nathan, pick one. <laughs> and Revolver. Yeah, okay, Abbey, Revolver then. And, and Abbey Road is mine then in this, on, this, right. on this particular. Wow. Um, on this particular round. Although I think I've made some pretty great arguments. Uh, round two. What makes your album unique among all Beatles albums? So it's not that it's the standard bearer. It's what makes it different from every other Beatles album, which is literally the exact opposite of why you would maybe choose it to, to represent all Beatles albums. Sonia, I'll get you to start this one. I mean, I hear that you're saying it's, it's, it's an opposite question, but it's still sort of the same question because for all the reasons mentioned above, that's what makes it unique. It, it was this sort of transitional period between the Yagas and the, the Abbey Roads. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it's, it's their most diverse album. I think we started talking about that in the last question in terms of both musical style and lyrical content. Um, and this album I learned also marks the point where they stopped touring and devoted all of their time to recording in the studio. So they were getting super experimental and spending something like over 200 hours just on this album, just farting around with sitars and uh, tape technology and things like that. Um, so I think that all of that experimentation um, makes this a really great album too, because there's so much to, there's so much, there's such a wide range of sounds on it. It also includes the band's first use of a horn section. So that's that's nice. Who doesn't love a horn section? Do 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 do. Oh, yeah, good with horn sections. The band the band use horn sections. Just to throw in a band reference here. Springsteen kind of like horns too. Listen, yeah. I I love a horn. Uh, I love a E Street horn. Carry Nathan, on. thank you both. For uh, that. What well, makes your I, album unique? I agree. It's somewhat similar to the the previous question. So to avoid being redundant, the things that I would say that beyond what I've already said, what makes this unique 
is the side two medley, of course. And because, I mean, they've never, they'd never had one. And, and to my knowledge, that idea, at least with a group of this stature or anything close to them, had never attempted something like this. I know that, you know, Tommy, maybe, but it wasn't, a, a lot of them were individual songs. It wasn't sort of a full-on, you know, 18 to 20 minute medley. So that I think makes it unique. And then I think the other thing, especially uh, with respect to Beatles albums, this to me is the perfect fusion between their studio mastery and their skills and abilities as a band like this. We talk about the experimentation, which I love on revolver and Sergeant Pepper and even magical mystery tour and some others. Um, but I believe that, that unlike those albums, this is an album that at the time could have been played live. It didn't, it didn't rely on these sort of studio trickery, which again is not meant to diminish that, but a lot of the albums when they were only in the studio could be, it, it, they were, exclusively a product of the studio and their ability to master the studio as an instrument. Abbey Road, which had great production for the most part is an album that could have been replicated at that time, you know, on the roof, had they, had they done it in reverse order, they could have played a lot of this live with mm -hmm. the, uh, the technology available to them. So I think that's unique in terms of uh, the Beatles catalog, especially the, the later period. Okay. And for mine, I think it's obvious. It's the only Beatles album where they weren't the Beatles. In rock music, it might be the first true concept album. It's uh, I will I will contest your your um, kind of your argument, Sonia, about experimentation and was most experimental at that time for them is the most experimental. But I don't think you can stand in the it's the in between the yeah yeah yeahs and the most and the experimental stuff and claim it's yes, the most experimental. Yes, I, can. I well, you can certainly try. <laughs> Uh, but I, th I think this is this is truly the, the point where they they just basically embraced experimentation to to the utmost to the I mean, this to is an absurd level. One might truly argue. to a degree. I mean, this is it's it comes from a crazy idea where Paul basically felt that they needed to break out of the expectations the world had for the Beatles, even after Revolver. Um, and that they should reframe themselves as someone else, and at least in their own minds, because they knew people would know it was the Beatles. Um, but they had, you know, alter egos. They had, uh, they were pretending to be someone else in order to free themselves up to make something new. So that spirit of, of reinvention, experimentation is just, I think, a, such a perfect representation of what makes the Beatles so special. But it's not. It's almost like to me, it's it's this point where they they felt like they didn't need pop to be just pop music anymore. They could do whatever they want. And in fact, George has said, uh, following this album coming out, we can do things that please us without conforming to the standard pop idea. We are not only involved in pop music, but all music. That is okay, it, but, his. Yes. But do it again as George. <laughs> I was actually practicing this as George beforehand, hoping, <laughs> no, just kidding. I, uh, I was practicing as a George to see if I could do it, but I can't. Uh, but I should also say, if you're talking about experimentation, they were like super on LSD when all this was happening for this album. So, uh, you know, like they, they were, they were tripping balls. Uh, and that's the, you know, that's where a lot of these crazy sounds come from. But the, the thing that's nice and happy about that is that John was already doing LSD and he brought Paul into it and they actually worked closer together on, on this album than, than they had in, in a number of albums really since their earliest years. So it's, it has a more balanced Lennon McCartney uh, feel to it. But, you know, I think if you're, if you're talking about like what makes this one stand out, it's the only one they have that's a concept album. 
it's not necessarily the only one that was very influenced by drugs, but they were on super crazy amounts of LSD when this was happening. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's, to me, it's this, it's this point where it's like the Bowie album we just did. It's where they said, we don't need to be pop stars anymore. We can be artists. We can do something totally different and just be crazy and experiment on in everything. See, I've always, like, I love Sgt. Pepper, but the, the thing that annoys me about most of the reviews and the accolades for Sgt. Pepper is everything that's great about it stands up without the false narrative surrounding this concept album thing. Mm -hmm. I get that they wanted it to be a concept album, but in truth, it's a concept album on tracks one and two, and then again at the end. After that, there's no concept beyond the fact these are all great songs, and they're experimenting like crazy and pushing the envelope beyond anything imaginable. But they start as kind of, you know, Sergeant Pepper and Billy Shears, and they go away for the entire album and come back at the end. And that's the concept. Like, I don't know what the concept is, really. I, I think to, to a degree here. At, at best. Well, the cover, I, I think the that, cover art. The cover art. Beautiful. Uh, OPP. Shit, why didn't we do that as a round? Oh, whatever. Because yeah. uh, you lose a, again. Abbey Road is the most iconic. Uh, it is the most iconic, but Revolver yeah. won a Grammy for the Bonus cover. round. Me. Me. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead, Eamon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Eamon, it's your show, right? I guess we'll let you. No. Well, well, well um, I don't know. I, I think I think that if you think about what concept albums were at this point, though, like there's literally nothing else that comes out really before this in rock, certainly. But the things that tend to, if you if you put concept album into Wikipedia, for example, I don't have <laughs> it in front of me, but you know, Frank Sinatra, for instance, is uh, is credited with maybe in the wee small hours. I think is maybe his his album where it's kind of credited as being concept ish and there's um there's a few others as as well uh that are along those lines but i don't think i think you know that's this this is the starting point in rock and rock music or or kind of poppy or you know this 1960s music of saying we're going to do something different i think the interesting thing to me about it is that it's not just a a concept album at least in framing but it's it's that they felt when we're talking about why is this unique among Beatles albums that they felt we, we have to stop being the Beatles in some way in order to break ourselves out of being the Beatles. And but to me, that's super that interesting. With most of their later albums, like we have to stop, we have to stop doing yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to do revolver or, or rubber soul and then revolver. Yeah. I think almost everything they did was kind of a, just a, a reaction against mm -hmm. what they had previously done and whether it was against their identity at, at large as, as it was with Sergeant Pepper, whether it was against the style or, or what other people were doing like that basically defined their entire career. I think. I, I see where this is going guys. So where, where do we, where do we vote? Where do we vote on, on this one? If you have to pick one. We sense that you are weak and we're trying to just finish <laughs> You guys cards. Hyenas. That's a head to head battle. Yeah. You yeah. are absolute hyenas. All right. Well, I'm going to, I would go with, uh, with revolver on this one. That's my, my vote. Nathan. Sonia. Um, either one of you. You guys don't well, want to pick I, until I mean, you realize, figure well, out I which would, the other one's picking first. And you're doing this whole teamwork thing. I wish you didn't because I was going to go with you anyway, but now since I'm trying to be strategic, but I oh, do rude. genuinely believe that Sergeant Pepper is the most, uh, if not Abbey Road, Sergeant Pepper is the most unique. Interesting. Well, hmm. can I vote for my own album? Nope. That's really rude, That's you cool. guys, because Revolver, I'm voting for Revolver. F y'all. I <laughs> really, I can't vote for Revolver. That's you're making this is a face the concept. Like... Our listeners can vote for whatever they want later on, but for this in this particular one, if you had to pick one of the other two based on the argument, which one wins? 
You're the you're the deciding. I guess I'll vote for Sergeant Pepper. Yes. All right. I, I mean, too can vote strategically. <laughs> <laughs> I too can vote strategically. Jeez. Okay, which album has the best representation of a Paul song? This is round three. What is the best Paul song on this? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out and and toss mine out there first. So I found this actually really, really tough because I don't feel like any of his truly iconic songs are on this album. There's some well-known ones, When I'm 64, Lovely Rita, Fixing a Hole, that kind of stuff. Uh, my selection, though, is Getting Better. It's so oh. buoyant and optimistic and bubbly. It's the sort of things that I associate with Paul. It's what he uniquely brought to the Beatles that none of the other members of the band could could bring. Um, it's also weird in in its own way the structure is really strange it, the random sitar that comes busting in halfway through is weird the stabbing piano sound that carries us to the end is strange uh it shows us how interested paul was in doing interesting songs even if he was going to keep them poppy and, and fun but it's just it's it's one of those things where if you if you hum a few bars you might be humming it for the rest of the day and to, to me that's that's what paul brought to this band in a nutshell nathan Oddly enough, I was quickly on getting better. That to me is sort of the embodiment of the perfect Lennon McCartney song yeah. only for the chorus because he's saying it's getting better all the time. Yeah. And then Lennon comes in all cynical. It can't get much worse. Get much and worse. That's, yeah. that basically represents the two of them. That's a good it's point. Like Paul's the eternal optimist and Lennon is like the, well, yeah, well, anyway, here's what sucks. And it's like, that's what made them great because he was the cynic and he was the optimist. So I always love that part in the chorus because that to me just sounds like Lennon McCartney and that's who they were that's a good uh, way of attacking abbey nice road. Collection. uh yes sure <laughs> abbey road uh the best representation of a paul song uh on abbey road is you never give me your money which is got a great vocal great melody a lot to me anyway the, the best paul songs are piano centric that's where i feel that his voice really soars and this one is obviously driven by a piano uh, like I said, the melody is fantastic. And even, you know, by Paul standards, the lyrics are pretty good. Like normally his lyrics are pretty obvious. There's not a lot of layers to them, which is fine. I don't mind. But this one is, they're a bit mysterious. Like it's, it could be taken literally, but there's also something else going on. So uh, that to me is the uh, the best representation of a Paul song on Abbey Road. Sonia. I think there are two and, and both because they... Well, one, because it really strays from the, the ha happy Paul. Um, so mm -hmm. Eleanor Rigby, because it has really good storytelling. Um, but it's, it's also, it's innovative because it's his first song that sort of departs from a standard love song. So I think mm -hmm. that makes it innovative as a Paul song and, got, Paul to, song. Yep. and got to get you into my life but also because of the horn section. So I would be between those two, but I'd probably go with got to get you into my life because it's more peppy, upbeat Paul. And because it's innovative. That's interesting. So I wrote down what I thought uh, for both of yours, what I thought was the Paul song. Uh -huh. And what did you of, pick? The, of all Paul songs. Good Day Sunshine. I, did you pick Good Day Sunshine? I, I just can't, this, this can't actually, abide it. <laughs> this shows you how hard it is to pick a Paul song, though, because for both of them, I ended up being like, I'm tempted to say something else. So for Abbey Ooh. Road, I had You Never Give Me Your Money as the as as that one. But I was tempted by Oh, Darling, because it had that, oh, that kind that of song. not quite yeah. a granny song, but had that kind of, you know, like the thing that John always mocked Paul for for writing these like, you know, beer hall, you know, old timey. There's something that it's a throwback in style. And little Richard Falsetto, which he would mm -hmm. do. It, 
semi-regularly so that's in there. yeah exactly like there was something there that kind of felt and then for revolver i had eleanor rigby and here there and everywhere hmm. but that's the right answer wow. here there and everywhere you're the there right and answer? everywhere correct answer huh. best of all three this yeah this it's battle is rigged. you can't get more paul than here there and everywhere this well but i don't I mean, like it <laughs> as much as Glenn the others it so much he stole it on double fantasy and did and called it woman <laughs> <laughs> he loved it Shut so much up. that's true <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's there. You can sing. Trust me, go back later when okay. we're done. Play woman and just sing here, there, and everywhere over top of it. You can do it no problem. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> same pace, same, like, yeah. 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 So he waited yeah. a bit. Credit to Lennon. Everybody kind of forgot that's, about it. Maybe 15 years later, he's like, yeah. That's very woman? audacious. I think, you know, like I, I like I said, I, I know that this album, uh, in my opinion, does not have a, have a strong, strong, strong Paul song, uh, Sgt. Pepper. I think in this case, I am, I, I am probably, I would vote for Revolver, but hilariously not because of the song that Sonia picked. I think it has, it has, <laughs> it has a bunch of good options. I, I honestly think Abbey it Road does. also, a- You Never Give Me Your Money is great. Oh, Darling has a feeling to it, but that, that is. is well, like and that. the medley is basically yeah. almost all Paul. Yeah. Like he, he took some Lennon offerings, but he put it together. But I would still say that Revolver, if you're just looking for Paul's songs, and there are a lot of great yeah. representations of Paul McCartney's songs, I'd say Revolver as well. Yep. Okay. I think we I think we know who wins this round. Yahtzee. Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> I knew this gig was rigged. What are you talking about? You just won a round. What, what's yeah. going on here? Okay, uh, <laughs> round four. Which album has the best representation of a John song? Uh, Nathan, you can start this one. Oh, come on. Wait, you um, want to start this on one? On Abbey Road, the best representation of a John song has come together. Yes. It's got a great groove, so uh, a sort of trademark strange rhythm, which you hear in a lot of Lennon songs, including on Revolver with, you know, She Said, She Said, just kind of these bizarre rhythms that came naturally to him. Um, it's got weird lyrics, which I think are, uh, is a hallmark of, of Lennon's catalog period, Beatles and otherwise it's bluesy, it's rock and roll. It's not trying to get too complicated. So I think you, you roll all those things together and you've got your, your classic John Lennon song right off, right out of the gate on Abbey Road. First, do you have another option on Abbey Road though? Like a, like a good solid option. At least I I want you Um, as him, right? But I, I would I would say if another option if you want to go the other way is uh, uh, because because okay if you're going to go the 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 on the other end of the spectrum of kind of weird Lennon yeah. it's not as weird as some of the stuff on uh, Sergeant Pepper even Revolver but I think on Abbey Road that's as kind of far out there as he gets without getting into you know pure crap which is Sun King uh, <laughs> which is kind of weird but also just not good pure crap uh, so I'd oh, go no, because you're making a real argument Sun for King. Abbey Road Sun here King is pure crap. <laughs> I'll give you a minute and a half of Sun King is pure crap in order for the rest to rise. Sonia, what's the best one from Revolver? Uh, Nathan, uh, song dropped. She said, she said, I can't pick that one. Mm -hmm. I picked I'm Only Sleeping because I love it and because um, a a Beatles biographer described it as a half-acid dream, half-latent Lennon laziness personified. And I thought that 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 could make it a, a very Lennon song. Um, I also love And Your Bird Can Sing because it's kind of a throwback to earlier Beatles and it, that sort of 
I know I'm only supposed to pick one, but I never do. And it has that joy, that unbridled joy and of early. He years. wrote more of the songs early on too. So it does when it does feel like a throwback, yeah. it feels like a throwback. It feels yeah. like the songs that he was when on the albums that he was absolutely dominating. So personal favorite, I'm only sleeping, maybe album pick for the battle, and your bird can sing. I don't know. We're all aligned here because my mine for Abbey Road was come together and mine for Re Revolver was I'm only sleeping. Mine for Sgt. Pepper is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds because it's super weird. It's super experimental. It's like mysterious and hilarious that it's, uh, it, you know, was it really about what just happened? Is it about LSD? Is it about a picture? His son drew at a school uh, about a girl named Lucy. It's one of those goofy Beatles mysteries, though, that persists to this day and will never be answered for <laughs> sure, for sure. Like he never told anyone. It was never clear yet. Yeah, it's a it's it's one of those hilarious Beatles mysteries. Like is Paul dead? Uh, it's mm. also kind of it, to me it cleanly capture it captures the uniqueness of his voice. He hated his voice, but he could make you feel like unsettled in a weird way with it. And uh, you know, it, it, he didn't have the best voice. Paul had the best voice by a mile, I th I think. But he had my favorite voice. And I think that this is it's the weird intangible qualities that come up in this song that make me or that that really bring out those why this is such an interesting and and, uh, you know, unique voice. Um, and, you know, the the song itself is is catchy and, and interesting and has a unique kind of opening and hook. And the chorus is obviously iconic. So. If you had to go on this one, Sonia, which one, which one would you choose? Uh, come together. Thanks, Zoe. <laughs> Zoe voted for Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> yeah. She, she said uh, uh, LSD. I like that one. I like LSD, <laughs> uh, but you picked Abbey Road, right? I did. Yeah. Come together is such a. That was the song you picked, right, Nathan? It was in a fever dream. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Nathan, where where you, which way do do you go on this? Uh, I'm gonna go. Like if a day in the life was a Lennon song, and it's really again, it's another representation of the two of them coming together, plus George Martin being a genius. So I don't, you can't really. I know it wasn't that choice. I'm saying, <laughs> That's why I didn't. Oh, it wasn't it. because it's not really. Yeah. So that to me is the greatest song on any three of these albums. But for the purposes of a pure Lennon song, I would go with "I'm Only Sleeping" is one that I would have picked off Revolver too, for the reasons that Sonia mentioned. So uh, who am I to argue with uh, Sonia and myself? And I would pick uh, "I'm Only Sleeping." Alrighty. What a beautiful moment. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick a, a day in the life because of exactly that. I felt like it was too much of a perfect combination of the two of them. Yeah. That it's it's and George Martin. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's a different thing altogether to me. It's literally two songs of theirs, fragments of two songs shoved together into one song. Like it's yeah. it is the most definitive yeah. thing of a Lennon McCartney, you know, how does how do they fit together? All right, which album has the best representation of a George song? Everyone at home is now getting the feel for the rhythm here. We're probably going to end up with a Ringo one pretty soon, guys. Uh, <laughs> I only had one option on my album, Within You, Without You, but what a song to represent George. Uh, if I asked most people to tell me what the contribution George was to, to the Beatles, I bet uh, Indian music would be one of the first things people would say. It was, in many ways, his defining contribution until until something came out, at least. Uh, if Love Me Too, this is me taking shots at your album, Sonia, so we'll see how this goes. If Love yeah. Me Too is a is a proto version of what he could do with the sitar within you, without you, is the ultimate of where he would go with the style. Okay. Sonia, t come on, follow that up. 
Okay. I hope you I, didn't pick Love Me Too. <laughs> I, 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 uh, uh, no, I picked Taxman <laughs> because because uh, it's a great song, and um, it's it's perhaps the first Beatles song written about a topical concern, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it, it it almost uh, feels like a a sneery precursor to uh, the punk movement. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see and that. And I, I think George, Nathan. like, was, oh, sorry. oh, sorry. Just George was no, like I, I, no, I, quietly I innovative. Uh, no, because I'm like that, because mm-hmm. I'm a starter and stopper and stutterer in betweener. Um, it's hard to know when I'm going to go. I'm done yeah. now. So, so okay. <laughs> Nathan, what's your George song? Um, could we just all give this round to me with something? Yes. And just Done. get it over with. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we can God, make it. If you don't like that, like, here comes song. the sun. This one's really, this one's really weighted in my favor. Just, I need yeah. to fan like, myself. Can you just got, cut the tape? I need to songs. fan myself for a minute. It's so good. Critically and commercially, I would go with something over Here Comes the Sun, but I could see why people would, would be inclined towards Here Comes the Sun. But I think something is the best. And, and the underrated part of that, I think, is the guitar mm-hmm. solo. Because it's classic George. It's not he. He was never flashy with the guitar solos. It, it's a really he's not a great guitar player, but he's very unique and he's got a very peculiar style. And to me, something that guitar solo it almost sounds like a relationship, like a, an entire where it's like it starts with kind of like oh do you like me do you like and it kind of gets like it solidifies and there's some sort of melody there and harmony. So it's just it's a perfect song. It can't really be argued. So let's just move on to the ring. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I think our I, my, my vote would be for for something. I, I think it's the best thing he this is ever like produced. Royal flush. I just put yeah. it on the table. Yeah. Like, I, it's over. I do want to say something it's about round. Taxman, though. I do think the thing that is so interesting about Taxman, that's the one I picked. I picked something and I picked Taxman were, were the two others. Uh, and uh, with that, the thing that's so unique about it to me is George had a uh, like the other two didn't you said it was topical but he had this also great love of complaining about things and you know like no neither of the other two who were actually making more money uh you know wrote a song complaining about how many how much of their money was disappearing to taxes but here comes george being like taxes (laughs) i have a list of complaints i shall (laughs) put it to music yeah there's so many so much of his so much of his work is is that and i think it's like so i think each one of them to, to me, it's like Taxman is is that element of George uh, within you, without you is is I think like his his ultimate like Indian uh, themed kind of song, but then add, like something is just his best his best song. It's mm-hmm. just the best thing he he produced, maybe the best thing he ever produced. So yes, let's move on to Ringo. Who has the best representation of a Ringo song? This one is so interesting because do we we only have one each, right? There's there's not he, he's done he doesn't have yeah, two so. on on anything yeah Mm-mm. uh nathan do you want to make the pitch for you already kind of did it with uh one of the earlier ones. yeah the only thing i can say <laughs> that i hope will put octopus's garden over the top is that you know he didn't write with a little help from my friends he didn't write yellow submarine they're iconic ringo songs but this one and i'm still suspicious especially after seeing get back with george kind of helping him out with it in the very 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 early stages of this this was truly a ringo song on his own but the credits say starkey period yeah. no so one wanted to take credit we for can it. only we want to look what's in front of us yeah <laughs> that this oh, no, was unlike the others which are again <laughs> 
undeniably iconic Ringo songs. This was the only one of those three that were was written by Ringo, performed by Ringo. So that's why Octopus's Garden is the best representation of a Ringo song. Yeah, they helped him the same way Correct. that they might help each other. But he's the one who brought the concept. He's or the one who brought the original maybe a bit lyrics. More help. Or a younger kind of sibling yeah, do their math more. homework. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he was. Yeah, maybe said, he's, here's, here's a good melody. Do you like that? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> He's the older. He's the older sibling. Yes, <laughs> he's like the older sibling yeah. who came home to his younger siblings and, said, and asked for help with his math homework. <laughs> yes, Sonia, yeah. which of the many possible songs from Ringo did you well, choose from your well, album? Well, it was really hard to pick, and and you know, for something different, I did pick just one. Uh, I hmm. guess I'm going to have to go with um, a Yellow sub Submarine. Never heard of it. Yeah, off the grid. <laughs> yeah, it's a deep cut. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a, I have nothing I, to say about it. I it's, it's not. It's Ringo's most iconic song. It's the song that he he would still play at any concert, and people immediately. My kids love this song. Like my my that's the uh, thing. My older Children daughter love it. loves it. Uh, the, the the Wiggles should re-record it because it would be. Are the Wiggles still yeah. out there? Probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Wiggles like the fourth incarnation of the Wiggles. Like yeah. there there is a Wiggles. They keep dying off, and then new Wiggles keep <laughs> yeah. keep Got replacing it. them. Yeah. The, but yeah, it no, it's a, it is, it's sure. It's, it's an a, iconic Ringo song. I just, I just, I don't, it's, it's not a yeah. song I would pick for myself to listen to. And I also only have a, the one option mm -hmm. with a little help from my friends. To me, it's not his most iconic song. It's, it's not the song he actually wrote, but it's maybe the best song. That it's the he, most palatable song. I give it to Amen. It's well, vote, and I think, I think the reason why. Yellow Submarine's a kind of a novelty song, right? And Octopus's Garden kind of is in a way too, but it was written by him. So it's not quite, in my opinion, it's not quite as good as Yellow Submarine. But this song is almost to me written in such a way that it was it was meant, it wasn't just to give him something to do, which they often did. We were like, I don't know, just give Ringo this this song over here. And this isn't, I, I don't want to knock Ringo too much. I, I love Ringo, but it, you know, his, his vocal range was not the greatest. But he's not the greatest singer, but he has this like authenticity to to his voice that that he was able to bring to this song and so it, yeah i think it's it's like the strongest legitimate ringo song <laughs> there is of their entire catalog mm -hmm. as an actual song it's also a song and i'm gonna vote for yours as well amen but it's also a song that uh with little help from my friends is not like a purely goofy mm -hmm. song like it's kind of a fun song but it's it's not like he's not sort of the you know the the slapstick kind of oh, live under the sea yellow submarine mm -hmm. act naturally like it's again it's fun but there's there's a seriousness to it a gravitas um, if you different. will and i think also yes there's some gravitas rare gravitas for ringo <laughs> and i think that his vocal performance as limited as it was that's probably the best he ever sounded on a beatles mm -hmm. record and that song was very very good vocally too so no contest what's the one where it's it's a cover but he's like i'm gonna make it in the movies that's act naturally. Yeah, I also like him on that. Help. That's one of my one of my favorites. That's all right, but it's one of those classic kind of like, hey, Ringo's being a funny guy well, again. I think I think there is that that's it's that element of his voice isn't particularly good, so it's hilarious to hear him talk about be, becoming a big star somewhere because of you know they're telling me I'm going to be a big yeah. star if I you know it's a cover, but it's still it, it's uniquely a funny Ringo thing. But again, it's a funny Ringo yeah. thing, whereas this is maybe the least of that. It's just a good song that he pulls off extremely yeah. well what is the best song for sa round seven the concluding round seven people at home are are finally are saying finally oh my god it took this long round seven which album has the best 
song, Sonia. Album has the best song, so I'm like picking yeah. someone else's. No, you can you can. I'm gonna go, ahead go and make with your... Abby Road. <laughs> what? No, come on, pick pick a song from your album. Oh, from my album. What, what is the? Al- I didn't read the, the notes from your album. What is the best song from my album? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Do you want a few minutes to to no. remember what your album has on it? No. <laughs> I'm going to go with got to get you into my life. Okay. Fair. Fair. Because of the horns. <laughs> I, I will go with uh, something off Abbey Road, but it is not the right answer to this question. <laughs> and I believe that Eamon will provide it momentarily. <laughs> A day in the life. It is considered to be Correct. the greatest Beatles song. In fact, Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest Beatles songs, it was number one. Uh but yeah, it's it to me. It's like the ultimate, as I said, the ultimate Lennon McCartney partnership song. It's we came here with two different fragments of two different songs. We got together. We figured a way of jamming them together in such a way that it sounds good. But oddly, the thing that's unique to me about this song is that it it brings the uniqueness of each one of them. It brings the psychedelic otherworldliness of Lennon and the crisp, bouncy pop that that Paul could bring to the table. And you add George Martin in there, and all of a sudden you've got the the, the best you know just I, I it's maybe i don't think it's actually my favorite beatles song but it's definitely i i think the best beatles song if that makes any sense extremely underrated drums by ringo mm. in that song too yeah so it's the drums like for that song countless times but i still it's such a cool like he's just he's in there then he's out there's not a steady he's like and then he backs off and it kind of just is the guitar and the piano is like this quick fills like it's very that's the genius of Ringo. For all the shortcomings he had as a songwriter and as a vocalist, he was an extremely underrated drummer. Yeah. I feel like he's like, having I mean, a renaissance no right template. now. Like he's like well, he deserves it. Like as a drummer, yeah. nothing else. But as a drummer, like he's extremely inventive, uh, creative, and there's no template for how to drum on those kinds of songs because they've never been written before. Yeah. So he's making it up as he goes, trying to work with these you know freaks from outer space. Like you've done what? You've you, how many? Like okay, I'll figure <laughs> something out. He never wrote. Like he he added to yeah. them. And it's incredible. Yep. So it's uh, definitely not a free ride. So, okay, if we want to wrap this this thing up, who wins? Which one? Which, which one do we keep? We we can pick one. If I look at our score sheet here, mm-hmm. written on a post-it note, uh, the the one. So, Abbey Road won two of them. Revolver won two of them, and Sergeant Pepper won three of them huh interesting that, that math doesn't check wow. <laughs> there's seven rounds that makes perfect sense <laughs> That's, we need a mathematician here but that doesn't unfortunately that's what happened war, no war war is is based not on logic but on emotion so we don't care about what the final numbers that's right and we, we, we both and we We'll put each one of these questions up, by the way. We'll put each one of these questions up on uh, on Twitter. People can vote vote on them and decide and decide and let us know what they think about each of them. But if we were to decide on which album is the best, is the is the album, if you had to choose one album to keep on the list to represent the Beatles, which album would you choose? For me, it's Revolver. Because, uh, well, I think they're all great albums and they all deserve to be on the list unequivocally. But for me, what the Beatles are beyond just writing great songs and great harmonies and and being for all time is they were 
a group that was evolving and pushing the envelope all the time. Abbey Road, as I said earlier, is sort of a summation of everything they'd done, but there's not a lot of moving. This is like a, it's almost like a greatest hits. This is like everything we've learned and now here's our mm-hmm. final product, but they're not moving the envelope. Revolver is where they went. I think there's the, it's the biggest leap from one album to the next. They would make advancements, but that's almost their, you know, the bends to OK Computer or OK Computer to Kid A even, where it's like just a complete left turn that that was so far beyond the album that came before and they moved they they progressed after that but not to the degree they did from rubber soul to revolver and so the beatles to me above all else represent that that relentless uh innovation and i think that's best represented by revolver sonia yeah what thank you nathan he just did my job for me he's like she picked a terrible song and now I'm just going to fix it for her. So thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, what yeah. you said, Revolver. I would. Oh, right. do I have to and pick my... another one? I'm very confused no, about no, the no, rules. You, no, no, no. It's this Revolver. Is, so this is, this is, this is the right. runoff. This is, We're in a runoff. Yeah, we're just uh, picking whatever <laughs> you want based on... Because, I mean, realistically, we, we pick an order. Only one of us got to pick first. And so the other the other ones didn't necessarily get to pick the, the album that they would have chosen. What would you and have chosen, Eamon? I think... I would have... My 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 choice would have been Magical Mystery Tour. No, I'm just kidding. My my choice. <laughs> it's not even on the list. It's not on the list. Dear listeners, <laughs> Nathan and I just it's both a... went boy with our eyes. Yeah. To be no, clear, it would be Abbey Road. I would pick Abbey Road. I think yeah. it's uh, it's so there's so many reasons uh, as you you kind of mentioned, Nathan. It's it's all of a sudden it's it's three songwriters that are on the same level with it, with each other. It's them applying everything they've learned in a, in a studio to to produce like just an absolutely gorgeous album, and it it has a, a wide enough variety of sounds that I can you can pull things out from earlier in their career as as well as as new things. But I also think it's just it's unique in in that they knew it was the end. And they produced an album that was worthy of the greatest band of all time ending things. It wasn't some crappy, you know, like half-assed effort because they needed to to fulfill something. They produced something that is that is so representative of the best of what they could do. So that's that's why I would pick that. Although I don't, uh, I don't begrudge you guys picking Revolver. That's all for today. Thank you, as always, to Sonia and Nathan. What's the one Beatles album that you'd keep on the Rolling Stone list? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at our music pod. Rate and review this podcast wherever you can. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or listen at recordroulettepodcast.com. Music in this episode is from Lemon Music Studio. Thank you for tuning in to Record Roulette. Until the next spin, goodbye.